Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Training on the road with very little equipment, convincing sport coaches that lifting won't ruin specificity, and keeping your relationship on the rails. Yeah, these are all topics discussed in this week's episode. Will Tex get his whole torso waxed in front of a live studio audience? He hasn't refused outright, but will we be able to get enough people together to sit in the same room as him while he pays the ultimate wax tax? Definitely not. If you asked about movies or trucks, your questions were answered. And if you had a legitimate inquiry about training, well, it's a crapshoot. There is a 50-50 chance you are passed over for a more self-indulgent question like, what kind of coffee do you guys like the most? Jesus Christ, this is episode 285. Our athlete nation. It's that time again for the premiere podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing. Ing. Again, we have one more text. Ing. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Captain's Log, star date, November 16th, 2018, question mark. You got McQuilkin and I sitting here at our favorite local coffee shop right down the street from McQuilkin's new crib, Mazama mm-hmm. Coffee. Why in, are we here? In Dripping Springs, Texas. Oh yeah, we're in Dripping Springs, Texas, hill country. Why are we here? I don't really know. Because they got a back room and we felt like recording here and we felt like slugging coffee hot off their coffee press. And oh, how about a little weather update in oh, Austin, Texas? Yeah. Here's one of the main reasons why we're here. Because our coffee machine it was too cold in the office for it to operate correctly so we had a little what's what's uprooting but with wires what do you call that is there a verb upwiring we upwired the podcast studio and we're in the back room here at mazama coffee yeah it's a it's pretty cloudy out today 37 degrees fahrenheit for all for our international folks, that's three degrees Celsius. Uh, precipitation zero percent. Humidity is approximately sixty percent. Wind is thirteen miles per hour out of the west southwest. And if you're looking for any more info besides that, you're shit out of luck, people. Today we have a very special guest, John Wellborn. John, say hello. That's right, he's not here yet, because John is on professional athlete time, and he's fashionably late. But you know what? We got limited time here in this back room at Mazama, so we're going to make the most of it. He'll just romp in here in about 10, 15 minutes, folks. So if you're here for John Wellborn's samurai story, you're just going to have to wait a little bit. Am I wrong, Tex, or am I wrong? You're actually right. (laughs) (laughs) So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, what do we have to talk about, Tex? We are on the final signups for... Our methodology course, right? We have how much time left? Two weeks. See, yeah, two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah, December kicks off. We kick off semester six, question mark? Seven, Seven. Lucky number seven. Semester seven of the Power Athlete Methodology course. It's our online education system for coaches and athletes, people. It is a baseline education that you need to know to unlock athletic potential of your athletes is appropriate for a coach a parent an athlete themselves those are the folks that come through the pipeline baby yeah we're putting you in a position to learn so we're teaching you enough to get into a position where you enter any form of weight room whether it's a crossfit gym whether it's a collegiate strength and conditioning facility a private coaching facility like our boy chad hobbs up in bloomington normal you are prepared to hit the ground running and be effective on the floor. So that's what we're doing. We're providing a base level of knowledge with the Power Athlete Methodology Level 1, and it links up to NSCA CEUs 1.5, 
That's a hell of a lot for just a, a very entertaining time. That's right, people. Get in on it. Academy.powerathletehq.com. You only got two weeks to fucking sign up, and that's if you're one of those gohards who listens to this podcast on their release date. Uh, and if you don't, if you're like a five-day snoozer because you're waiting for like Wednesday to come around after your weekend hangover, whatever the hell you do, maybe it's Black Wednesday. You're on a road trip right now with your family and your little shit kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Thanksgiving is next week. Yeah. <laughs> and you decide to plug in for this crew episode. Sorry, kids. That's little shoot kids. Uh, well, you're in for a treat. We threw out a little call to action on our social media, on our Instagram, at Power Athlete HQ. And we wanted to know what you wanted to hear about today. So we love it when the community seeds our questions here, or seeds our show with these questions, and we're ready to dive into it. We got a lot of text. Did you comb through these yet? We've got a lot no, of... No, man. Been, uh, been plugging away. But uh, A lot of training questions. And... Here's, we'll just start off since Wellborn's not here to muddy the waters on this, McQuilkin. Question number one from Good Vibra Steens, Vibra Steens, from Sean. We'll just call him Sean. Why doesn't the last action hero get any love on this podcast? Oh my goodness. Well, it, <laughs> it will now. So let's say you have an intern like individual who's, I don't know, fucking 23 years old and doesn't know his ass from his elbow and has never heard of a fucking movie called uh, Old School. What is Last Action Hero? Last Action Hero is a, what are you doing over here? Tex, I'm looking I'm, at you. I'm pulling up the IMDb for this because I don't oh. want to mess this up. <laughs> Last Action Hero is an action flick starring yours truly, Arnold Schwarzenegger. And if you don't know who Arnold Schwarzenegger is, you're gonna, you should just bury yourself now. And let me tell you why it doesn't get much love from me personally. Listen, it's not that I don't like that movie, but it's pancaked in between Predator and fucking, uh, um, uh, damn it, uh, True Lies. Well, True Lies was 1994, the greatest year of all time. You're not wrong there, but I, I want to throw one out that the director, John McTiernan. Oh, all right. So he filmed all of the 80s action movies from Die Hard mm -hmm. to Commando to everything that we know and love. And this is almost making fun of all the work that he did to get in there. So he's pulling from his own movies into his final masterpiece. And, you know, Arnold plays along with it. I thought it was, you know, it was pretty genuine. It's pretty good. So why doesn't it get much love? Because it's a little too artsy. What you have to understand about the... The movie tastes on this side of the table is I, I need no, running, no, I need no, no, gunning, no, no. I need some sort of alien or special effects. They better be granny shifting or not granny shifting and double clutching like they should, or I'm not going to watch the flick and well, I'm not going to praise basically it. Basically, a seven-year-old Chris McQuilkin, you embody the last action hero, the little boy in it. Yeah, yeah. It was like real life watching It's kind of like, a, remind me, I've, I think I've only seen it two or three times. It's, it's like Jumanji, right? But with the action More movie. More or less. And yeah, the kid takes control because he knows the direction. He knows the plots. He knows what the hero needs to succeed. Mm -hmm. And he kind of guides and leads our last action hero to success because he literally jumps out of the movie screen into real life. And this little boy gets directed. So it's almost like you're in it as a seven-year-old Chris McCulkin. But, you know, it's, I have to, I guess, suppose I have to rewatch it now that I'm not seven years old and see what we can do here. But I do appreciate it because McTiernan is pulling from all of his old movies mm -hmm. into one for one final masterpiece. 
All right, I'm going to shift gears. Listen, I know we're strength and conditioning podcast people, but you just get what we're going to talk about because we had a, a, a sad loss in the movie universe this week. Oh, yeah. Mr. Stan Lee, is, and uh, he is the Marvel godfather, right? So, uh, Pierre Ronaldson asks, to honor the awesome Stan Lee, who is your favorite superhero? One. What is the best superhero movie? Two. Would a superhero be doing Field Strong or uh, Jack Street? Which would they better? Which one would they perform better off of? Now, dude, this is a great question. I have a bias because my it's my like favorite and original superhero as a kid, Batman. Even though it's uh, Batman is DC, right, and not Marvel, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna go with Batman fan, <sighs> original Batman, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah, those are the, like I could watch that at any time, at any point, no matter what, and not be disappointed. And then the Christopher, Christopher Nolan Batmans are just fucking so goddamn good. The, in Marvel, the Marvel movies are great, but they're just becoming too... Fun. Yeah, for my liking in this day and age. However, if I had to pick a Marvel movie to choose from, hmm, I do like Winter Soldier, man. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of Struggle, so the... Captain America storylines, their struggle. Like mm-hmm. Iron Man, everything comes too fucking easy to him. Like he's too smart, he's indestructible. So I appreciate like the new Avengers direction mm-hmm. where it's like, shit, man, fucking fight, struggle, mm-hmm. figure this problem out. And we don't know as an audience. Like I was saying with Last Action Hero, the boy, he knows what to do and he helps Arnold defeat the bad guy. Mm-hmm. In the Avengers, I'm trying to map this out and figure out how I would solve it. And I. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You seem like an Ed Norton Hulk guy. And no, I'm, I'm not <laughs> personally not a Hulk fan. If John was here, he'd, he'd drop the Hulk because Mr. Mr. Cash is a big Hulk. Yeah, little Cash. He's favorite Hulk guy kick. is Hulk. Um, so I can see where you're going. Dude, stick with Marvel. I'd stand Lee. I'd go currently. I don't know about best, but one I enjoyed was Guardians of the Galaxy. Like, came in with zero baseline, zero expectations. I was completely unfamiliar with the comic book character. Yeah, yeah, totally. That's a great one, too. So it just, it was fun. It was, uh, you know. And honestly, the use of, like, soundtrack and music in there is pretty cool. Yeah, they did a great job. Yeah, yeah. So I'm... John, favorite Marvel character? Uh, We we know Cash is. He's a Hulk guy now. Yeah, so the question is, in, you know, in recognition of the loss of Stan Lee, who do you got for favorite uh, superhero, superhero movie? And then, obviously, if you're a superhero, you should probably be doing Field Strong. So that's, like, all superheroes are most benefit from Field Strong, um, except for who's, like, who, any superheroes need, fucking Peter Parker, get on Jack Street, for the love of God. You move like a, you move like a goddamn ballerina, but you just need a little beef in the traps. Am I wrong? As the Peter Parker of this group text, am I wrong? (laughs) (laughs) You mean Uh, young, witty, and, you know, whatever? (laughs) Tech savvy? (laughs) Those are words I would never um, include with tech tech savvy. All right. So you got a, do you have a superhero off the top of your head? What you're digging recently Uh, on the Marvel movies? You know, the guy that uh, I always really liked is uh, Captain America. That's what Tex was saying, yeah. And the reason I like Captain America is um, it's just the irony. The fact that uh, he was a skinny, skinny dweeb, they gave him performance enhancers, and then he became a superhero. So 
I just think it's, I think the irony of it's really funny, but uh, I like his character. I think he's, uh, you know, they're trying to show different levels of him. Personally, I think his weird bromance with Bucky is a little strange. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I did Captain America. I know uh, Cassie likes the Hulk. I mean, probably my favorite overall character would be Thor. Yeah, Thor. So the most recent Thor movie took yeah, me with by Ragnarok. surprise. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, there was a lot of symbolism in that. Like, obviously, Hela takes his eye. So mm-hmm. you know, now he he like replaces Odin. Uh, I like that. You know, they said uh, you know Asgard isn't a place; it's where the people are. I mean, there's just a lot of cool pieces of that, and uh, I just like home it. is where you make it. Yeah, I think didn't your mom or dad have that above the uh, the mantle? Uh, it's from Joe Dirt, <laughs> aka. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. All right, so let's speaking of Peter Parker having no traps, let's get into the next training question, people. Uh, I ran out of gas. Hmm. So yeah. you ran here? Yeah. Get I had the to, fuck out I of pushed here. the truck. That's fucking bullshit. No, I called DJ. He came and picked me up, went and got a gas can, went back. Uh, That's what you get for it. Dude, you, you need to get off like riding the rails on your fuel gauge. Uh, no, I need, yeah. I need DJ to actually make the fuel gauge work mm-hmm. because I know I had plenty of fuel. There's just... I, I drove the blue truck, so I had to get it out. I uh, wanted to see how she performed oh, in the wow. cold, in the cold oh, weather. Okay, that's different. Yeah. yeah. So she, uh, I, I thought she had plenty, and there was fuel in there, but the way the pickup works, yeah. it's just yeah. it's a little fine-tuning, so I had to go get more fuel for so it. So you drove here with no doors? Yeah. That makes a lot of sense why you're bundled up. <laughs> <laughs> My hands are freezing. For our listeners, John walked in the back room, and he's got, like, hood, hat, another hood, three layers on, and then, like, driving gloves. Which and, Well, Luke's wearing two pairs of gloves. Yeah. This it's whole the time. It's the Rockies. Um, so, and did we get that on social media? If you haven't seen John's new blue ranch truck, you're fucking, dude, the, the projects going on in the shop right now are just <laughs> like, you're spinning off this world. It's turning into like a, a auto, auto television show. Uh, yeah, no, it, um, it's amazing when you get the right tools, the mm-hmm. cool shit you can do. Yeah. Like, that's just like, people ask me, like I got a guy on um, Instagram, hit me up. He's like, how'd you get into it? I'm like, I don't know. I bought a welder and I sucked for about a year. And then all of a sudden I didn't suck. I got a two bender and I bent a bunch of tubes wrong and then figured out, you know, uh, how to bend them and then actually went back and reviewed some of my geometry and trig and figured out about (laughs) radius angle CRs. And, you know, as you bend a tube on a radius, it, it makes it longer. And then like, you know, it just was really cool. I I wish they'd explained to me in in high school, um, the practical application, it would have been way more exciting. You know, where I, where I got to apply it, I took a course in college for computer science and it was, uh, uh, I got to write OpenGL video games. Like, the most retarded games you'd ever fucking imagine. Like, a rabbit tries to chase a puck, and you, like, you build these shapes all with calculus. So you get to see a little bit of that shit come to life, and you're yeah. like... I, and then you look at, like, real video games now, and you're like, what in the fuck, dude? Yeah, the amount of, like... It? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Yeah, so we've been... Uh, yeah, we put uh, about 1,000 foot-pounds of torque in a 5.9 Cummins uh, with a, you know, 62-millimeter turbo in that ranch truck and surprisingly those 40 inch uh, 42 inch tires around the dyna beads which are like the self-balancing uh they look like little like airsoft beads mm-hmm. um unbelievable like the truck was so smooth and uh i actually you're gonna laugh at this 488 gears in a, a cummins oh my god 
Like we've always been running them under gear. Like I think you're running what 355s, 35s, NV. Okay. This is 48s four, uh, with 42s. Oh my god! Like it spools up and just takes off like yeah. a shot. Like I was like, oh. fucking wheelies, dude. I, uh, I I I'm like telling DJ, I'm like we got to go back and adjust the brakes, dude. This thing is way <laughs> too fast. So it just did me then and that, and then um, obviously uh, the gauge cluster and all the parts showed up for the C10. So I'm pretty excited on that. Uh, I'll go back. I'm going to weld up the exhaust and um, uh, get that thing fired up tonight. Well, let's get down to training. Sorry to cut you off, John, yeah, because roll. we do have. So Books on a Bike is asking, and, I've ne- you know, Trap Envy is a bad thing. So we can't have anybody following us have Trap Envy. We got to get this guy's traps up. Or gal, who knows? My mid to lower traps never grow. I can progress in weight with all different kinds of rows, but I don't feel this muscle working. To connect with it or whatever, I have to do light, light flu kind of moves. I don't get it. Uh, is this something to be concerned about? Will my other muscles pick up the slack and leave them behind or will they drag it along? Don't worry as long as I'm progressing. Oh, I'm wow. thinking he fly kind of moves. I think he means fly. Uh, you know, the, the traps are kind of broken into three parts. I always think about like the front trap the, and the rear trap and the kind of lower trap. Uh, where I hit a lot of uh, good trap movements came from uh, bent over rows and doing uh, Kelso shrugs, which is actually the shrugging of the bar from a, a bent over bent row position mm-hmm. uh, from that position. So like from a bent over row, I would kind of pick the bar up and I would actually shrug uh, and do Kelso shrugs. And then I would go into uh, bent over rows. Uh, that really seemed to hit the trap, but actually the... Uh, most interesting thing that I found for building big traps uh, was at the top of your deadlift when you hold like, um, I don't know, uh, we don't really give this cue, but it's one I think about. When I, as I'm deadlifting, I'm constantly thinking about trying to squeeze my butt that when I, when I get to the top of the movement, when I squeeze my butt, and what I try to do is I try to almost stay, uh, you know, do an isometric hold at the very end and kind of squeeze my traps on every deadlift. So every movement, I get an opportunity to uh, hit my traps and then the other one, and we program a ton of them, is the reverse shrugs on the dip bars. Mm-hmm. So the reverse shrug to dip. Uh, between those three movements, uh, if you can't grow some traps, uh, we have other problems. Yeah, so and maybe it is like the antagonist, like the reverse shrug that could unlock it, right? And even on those Kelso shrugs, what I've found with those is you get to play with torso angle too. So if you were to do like a single arm, Right. Just imagine being kind of staggered stance, bent over and change your torso angle and keep just keep shrugging that and moving that scapula around the shoulder. Well, the other thing, too, and and what I hate and uh, thank God you guys have never done this because then I would have to punch you. But I hate when people roll the shoulders. You know, I think I've talked to you guys about that where like people like you watch guys uh, at the bro gym at the, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. fucking thunder douche gym uh where they roll the shoulders thinking they're working their traps all they're doing is fucking destroying the rotator cuffs so what you do is you keep like you know, put your shoulder on the back of the scapula and as you shrug up you try to hold mm-hmm. uh i think about every time i do a shrug to try to hold for a split second at the top bring it down hold for a split second i hate when people just kind of run through them too fast i think that if you do that little hold at the very top mm-hmm. that that really kind of gets the activation going and if you're interested in some light reading we go into the three parts of the trap, concussion protection <laughs> training. I know that was a joke, but we have more on this on the oh, line. Yeah. One of our articles, concussion search power athlete concussion protection training. And we go into the trap as the solution for concussion prevention and have all these exercises broken down, videos, application, all that good stuff. All right. 
Is this a real question? Are you guys ever coming out with power athlete racing gear? Oh, okay. I, I didn't see power athlete racing. Um, I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. I mean, we have we have some. Yeah, we have the speed kills, and, right? Yeah, but I don't think we'll ever come out with any gear. Yeah. Um, if anything, though, I think uh, you know the reason we started Power Athlete Racing was so that we could go to SEMA. Uh, SEMA is an industry show out in Vegas, and they make you actually be a shop or somebody you know actually of no worth. So we started Power Athlete Racing so we could go to SEMA, and then we didn't go to SEMA. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you got that going for yeah, us, which, which is nice. <laughs> Which, uh, which was killer because two years ago when I went to SEMA, uh, I like the Fitech kit that we're running. We're running that uh, Ultimate LS Fitech 750 horsepower kit on the C10 shop truck. Uh, I saw that debuted at SEMA. And at that point, I was like, man, I'm only going to use this for an LS swap. I met the guys from, um, uh, do you remember the race shop that did the transmissions across the street from, uh, from Old Power Athlete in Costa Mesa? Those mm. crazy ass dudes, or the ones that were building those little scooter things. No, no, no the guys on the other side of the street. Um, I can't remember their name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll come to me in a second. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We looked at their building, didn't we? Uh, well, no, but do you remember the like, like literally when you came out of our driveway, mm-hmm. if you drove straight, those dudes like had like Robbie Gordon's trophy yeah, truck yeah. and all that crazy stuff. I met those guys. Uh, I got to see all of um, uh, the Singer Porsches. Oh, man, dude, SEMA was unbelievable to see all that stuff. It was, just gave me a ton of ideas. I came home and thought, dude, if, uh, if, the, if all these dudes can do this shit, I can do this shit. Right. So there you have it. Long answer to that. C. Brummett, 06, asking, I've been following Field Strong for three years now. So he's one of our guys. He, fucking savage. You know what? We can check this name because there yeah, really no, we'll, aren't that many people that have been following for three plus years other than Ingo. Yeah, we'll find you. Uh, so he says the PM, the power athlete metabolic conditioning cycle is about <sighs> to begin. How, do, how does he know? And each year I have suffered injuries during this cycle. I am also a student at UVA. So during this time of year, uh, during this time, there is added stress as the semester is coming to an end. My cortisol levels during this time as a result of circumstance are much higher than usual. First question, are you getting your blood test to know this? Or are you just saying that because you're stressed? Yeah, he's just he's just up on that. That's cool. Um, my I believe this is attributing to my increased risk of injury. Do you all have any suggestions on how to attack the PAMC this year to reduce the risk of injury? Lighter loads, more thorough warm up, quit taking school so serious. I'd say drop out. Uh, I would say uh, start light. This is like where everybody fucks, fucks us up is everybody always starts too heavy. And you know what? I did the same thing when we did it in college and we did a, a different version in college. Um, and I've since adopted it over, uh, we all started too heavy and you know what? We got fucking smashed. Dudes were throwing up in trash cans. People couldn't finish reps. It just was fucking a bloodbath. And then you realize, leave your ego at the door, start light. You're supposed to feel good and like you can finish it. And this isn't that bad on the first couple, but then what do we do? We add sets, we add reps, we add, or not reps, but sets and, and, uh, weight. And it's supposed to like culminate. It's supposed to give you like a nice, gentle ease in, you know, spit on the tip and, uh, you know, m- you know, make love. Don't just jam it in there. AKA, you know, what we're talking you know. about McQuogan. <laughs> Why are you so silent? <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, take it easy. And I would say and, uh, sleep. Yeah. And let's say, but let's say shit's starting to get like, um, like, like, you, okay. So he starts like he's progressing, adding weight. Couldn't he just take weight off and chill? Yeah, just yeah. be cool, bitch. Yeah. Just be, be cool, cool, bitch. It's like, listen. Uh, yeah, and, and there's a bunch of other supplements that you can hit for cortisol. But at the end of the day, dude, like, what's most important? 
getting good grades, graduating, actually, you know, making good on your large investment into college. Or crushing field strong. I think the answer is field strong. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. Am I wrong? No, you're right. You're right. And you're always right. (laughs) So, but no, honestly, just chill. I think the answer there is like, like John said, start light. And if it starts to get overwhelming, the training is probably contributing to the stress, right? It's fair enough. Just chill, just chill out, back it down, take it less seriously. And then just make sure you get the grades, man. Right? Text anything to contribute on that or no? Because I got a question. What are his weekend extracurricular activities uh, yeah, that could on. be also leading to this lack of sleep mm-hmm. and dehydration mm-hmm. and fun? Mm-hmm. You're talking about like spin class, right? Like too much spin class? Is that what they call it now, nowadays? <laughs> or tailgate? Is that the name of a bar tailgate. in Charlottesville? All right. So on to. I got one for you, McQuoken. So first one, this is for the table. Part one, since you're recording ing ing at a coffee shop. That's right, people. Mazam Coffee Dripping Springs. Dripping ing ing. Springs ing ings. Uh, what's your favorite coffee drink of choice, John? Um, I really like Americano. Yeah. Are you sure it isn't a uh, dirty, dirty chai? Dirty no. chai? No, there, there's only one person that would dare order the dirty chai oak milk latte. Oat milk. Oat milk. Intern, is that the order, intern? Can you milk oats? I don't know. Do they have nipples? <laughs> if you kind of. If 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 they don't have nipples, you can't milk them. That's a fact. Science. Yeah. I uh, honestly, like, I was kind of thinking a little bit about Spanton's order when he did it. I'm like, I wouldn't even have thought that was a thing. Like, I would see chai up there, and I would just think that it was I a misspelling. Mo- yeah, I look at most of that shit, and I'm just like, I, I have no interest. Yeah, like, to yeah, no. I mean, uh, uh, Americano or coffee black. That's mm-hmm. all you drink it. So I honestly don't. When I go to a coffee shop, I won't get drip coffee. I'll either do Americano, Americano, yeah, cold, typically cold, or and that's four shots minimum. I'm trying to think if I've ever gotten like a two shot. You think maybe that's contributing to to Spanton's hairline? Maybe the I decaf. Mean, Remember he ordered a decaf oh. at the fucking airport? Yeah, you remember that one? <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's a few things you don't do. One is uh, you pull the uh, Hinsman and order the vegetable plate at Fogo de Chao. Yeah. And a decaf coffee with the boys. Yeah. I, like those two things, like I've seen them happen and I've been amazed. I'm like, to this day, I'm like, Hins, really? Veggies? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. I'm going, uh, or I'm going cold brew. Like, and the thing about cold brew, it's just old coffee, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of how they just let it sit there. <laughs> I think but it, it'll fucking jack over up. from the night before. Yeah, it just yeah, jacks they, me they, up. They man. throw it'll a bunch of grounds in the bottom and let it just sit. And then there'd be there'd be some desperate like international trips or uh, either gigs with like shitty travel where you come in this next day. And Was that where you were doing the uh, coffee suppositories? No, I tried that. It was just too good. <laughs> <laughs> but although uh, every once in a while I'll do a red eye. Yeah. You know, that's probably the only thing on... I, I'll, I'll tell up. you, I really like a double espresso uh, after dinner. That's, That's like my favorite. Same. And then I'm, go right to sleep. Yeah. What about you, McQuilkin? What are you going with? Whatever Luke gets. Yeah. Shocker. Uh, it up. Dirty chai. All right. Part no. two. Uh, McQuilkin, here you go. Uh, this guy is training a high school. This is Willoughby86. Uh, training a high school baseball player. Recommended bedrock. They're afraid that lifting will mess up their swing and throwing form. How would you approach the situation? And is there... Are there any studies or reading material I can take for reference? Uh, personally, I've told them that as long as they continue getting reps and throwing and hitting, it won't mess with form. Is he off on this assumption? How would you handle this? I got a couple articles that I'll reference. So it, it breaks down communicating to a sport coach. 
So they are nervous. They are scared. And it's usually the basketball sport coach, right? Squatting is going to take away from our jump shots, going to take away from your legs. But you got to understand, like in high school, every single day that you're working with these kids, whether it's on the baseball field or the weight room, they're a different person, right? They're going through puberty. They're growing. They're either, you know, pick up an inch overnight or they actually start to, well, some of us lost that bowl of soup chest that Luke's got going on. He never lost. Never forget. Uh, dude, we did a ton of inclined upper pec work today just for that, for Luke especially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. John, I, and what's crazy is while they don't exist, I fucking remember dude, banging out more weights than old McQuilkin over here. Beefy chest. Uh, Wait till we see that crisp, shiny, beefy oh chest once we wax that hair uh, off. All right, all right. But you anyway, know so back to the question at We also here. need, time out, we need to set up not just one of these really sketchy Asian wax people, uh, no, but it's, we need it's to get coming. videographer, it's, it's, it's and getting, then we need to prepare photography. Like, we need a fully... No. No, like, I want a Costanza... Free, no. frame with Costanza all, right. posed, freshly waxed. I want Tex and his skibbies on a couch, red couch, like, all sexy. No. Yeah. All I want is one camera. Just not deviating of his face. So he'll be like, kind of like a uh, Blair Witch Project yeah. where he's wearing a helmet. Yeah, no, it, it's just his face. And then you hear the, ah, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> okay, so oh, fuck. we'll get, <laughs> oh, hold my hand. It's a nipple. Not the nipple. Oh, dude, I don't think I'm going to throw up. So text, sorry, without, go ahead. Uh, take three appeals. So the first is going to be performance, right? They want to. Most likely, they want to win. They want to succeed. They're looking at their jobs versus the long-term development of this athlete. So you're going to have to take a performance perspective. Well, guess what the performance perspective is? Bedrock, increased power, strength, speed, coordination. It's not going to affect your swing. It's going to make your swing 50 times yeah, fucking better, and you're going to be slugging dingers. So ask them for performance issues that they're seeing from the team, right? A running back, it's going to be quick feet. Uh, basketball player, it's going to be you know strength, endurance, or fourth quarter. Just find out what their team is limiting, and guess what your solution is? It's bedrock. It's always going to be bedrock, the solution to their sport performance problems. Then we can get into accelerated coordination, coachability, increased coachability. So this is skill in particular, right? So in baseball, you got to make the smallest adjustments to the swing. Well, you can improve their ability to make those small adjustments by increasing their coordination. So reps with the squat, the power clean, all these little things are going to translate to accelerated coordination development, which then translate to the baseball field. And last but not least, and this is primarily for parents or I guess if the sport coach cares, injury prevention. You're going to make them more resilient. You're going to make them more bulletproof because they – have a stronger trunk, stronger knees, stronger hamstrings, all the things that are going to prevent an injury throughout a contact sport or a long baseball season. So three appeals, um, go, uh, I guess power athlete, search, sport coach, those two articles will pop up, and it will be appeals to communicating with those sport coaches. What do we got? All right, I got another here. Uh, team. First-time caller, long-time listener. I train a few youth athletes, 14 to 18 years old, two to three times a week through bedrock. Nice. Level one represent. This guy's in our PAM class text methodology, dude. Only being able to train two times per week. What, if any homework, would you give an athlete to train at home? Athlete is currently in off-season and does not participate in another sport. 
uh, more open loop type stuff, more sprints, track work, body imbalances. Thanks. What do you think? Fun. So open loop. So that would be games like spike ball. There would be tag. It would just be, you know, the, the reps, since he doesn't have practice to read and react and reinforce, I would just say more games, more fun getting out there and, you know, having, you know, pick up basketball, just anything with some teammates that will drive and increase athleticism, but not, you know, take away from and not put training on and in a negative light, like forcing it. So it's more fun, but it's still productive. Mm-hmm. And like, what do they want to do? Like, let's say they like doing, I don't know. What if they like squatting at home, right? Um, then pivot your day, you know, and don't have them always squat in front of you and take a different lift there, right? Oh, yeah. And you get opportunity to teach the clean as well. So squatting, right? So say we're working out those few days a week. One day could be squats with you. Then the next day, deadlifts, and then power cleans. But you give them one day to train on their own, squat. One of the things that you've already coached. And so they can go and hit the cleans where they need more attention to detail with you there. So that that could be an option. And referencing back to our Ryan Horn podcast, if they have an enthusiast, enthusiasm for a lift, a movement, or training, you know, don't take away from that. Mm-hmm. Use that to then reinforce the goals that you want to create in your weight room. Yeah, even if it's not in, well, slippery slope, right? If it's not in the template, but it can fit in the bedrock template, as long as you're staying within the principles we discussed in the methodology, it's not like you're doing it. Like, yeah, foster foster that enthusiasm. Don't necessarily stomp it out, right? Yeah. So, all right, John, this one's for you, man. Lay it on me. Sadowski's asking, will you be narrowing the rear end of the C10? We already did. Well, what else have you done to it? I mean, what else did he just ask? So we narrow the rear end? Yeah, he said, will you be narrowing the rear end on the C10? Yeah, we already did that. Oh, what did we do? Oh, I put a, uh, I put a 12 bolt out of a 69 Blazer, which is naturally more narrower and, uh, you know, got a roll in that way. So um, by doing that, I was able to actually shrink the, uh, the rear end about two inches, which could let us get a, bit, a little bit bigger attire in there. So, and what's cool is uh, 12 bolts a an upgrade for that truck. And also I had a, a, a factory eaten pause attraction posi in there, which is huge. Uh, those are about $800. So I actually had a factory one sitting around. So we threw that in the 12 bolt, which is killer. So you guys know the difference between uh, open carrier and uh, pause attraction, correct? Go yes, for it. but go ahead and okay. explain it to our listeners. So, <laughs> with an open rear end, only one tire has power at a time. And then uh, with pause attraction, both tires have power at the same time. Mm-hmm. So way better for burnouts. Ah, perfect. And tell us about the heat in the truck and the air conditioning. <laughs> Are you, you're really fascinated by this, aren't you? Oh, Not yeah. going to go back and reference anything and uh, pick okay. up parts. So uh, Vintage Air uh, is a company down in San Antonio that makes uh, really nice um, you know, aftermarket air conditioning systems. I mean, they're pretty much the gold standard for older cars and anything. So we did a vintage air in that truck. They actually make a kit for the C10, which is nice. So we put vintage air, which allows us to have, you know, AC and, and, uh, and heat, which is vital here in Texas. So we did that. And then, uh, like I said, we ran the Fitech, uh, Fitech LS, um, ultimate LS kit, um, which is nice because it has bigger injectors, 102 millimeter intake, uh, it's drive-by cable, which is killer. And um, I think we ran hooker headers uh, for uh, four L80, electronic, uh, an electronic four-speed, which is nice. And uh, what else we got on there? 
Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, did a hard, uh, you know, custom wiring harness, which DJ built. Uh, got a, you know, bitchin' fuel tank, and Crafty B made us a, um, a cool little gas cap on it. And then... Is there going to uh, be any truck like this on the road? I think other people have trucks. There are trucks like this that exist. Right. Um, I think ours is going to be super cool, though. Yeah. Uh, and then we're getting a one-off grill being made. Um, I was able to go out and re- I was really stoked. I was trying to find a really killer set of bucket seats, but I'm kind of a stickler on seats. I like really neat, kind of original, unique stuff. And I uh, was able to find a set of captain's chairs out of a 91 crew cab, which are super rare. They usually go for about 600 a set. And, we, and I was able to, to get a whole truck and we, I really bought it for the seats. So we got the seats going in there. It'll be cool. All the interior will be brand new. I got a pretty cool trick that I'm doing for the headliner and uh, what else? Um, Caltrex bars in the rear. I got a custom bumper that I'm working on too, a little tube bumper for it. So, I mean, we got some really, really trick little things. It's going to be lowered six and four and a half. So it's going to be low on the ground. And uh, I think we're running about a 29 inch tire. So 29 inch tire with 373 gears with posi and a 4L80. It's going to fucking scream. Yeah, Yeah. it's going to get it. And the motor should make, uh, we did a Brian Tooley cam. Um, and then obviously what's cool about the Phytech kit is it's self-tuning and you can tune it yourself. So you don't have to take it anywhere to get it tuned. So you actually have a little screen in there and you can, you can adjust it and tune it as you're Holy driving shit. it. So it's going to get it. Now on to the next exciting endeavor. For those who don't know, Tex had a $20,000 fundraising goal for Wade's army or 501c3 charity that's fighting pediatric cancer. Thank you. Childhood to- cancer. Sorry, thank you, John, for the correct, yeah. for the, the fix there. Childhood cancer. Now, thank you to all who made that fundraising goal possible. We can't thank you enough. Tex, what was your final fund, uh, fundraising amount? Ooh, broke 20. I mean, it's still going on. Yeah, broke I'm 20K, still, still going some... on. Still hunting down some late, late arrivals. But what that means is we are instituting the wax tax. McQuilkin has agreed to wax his entire body. On including his forearms and armpits. No. Yeah. Low back. Stomach, so for those of you, pits, I've been pressing knuckles. pretty. I've been pressing pretty hard to have this live at the symposium. However, unfortunately, it's going to take too long. It just we can't do it. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. Well, not which is why we're canceling the symposium. Well, <laughs> you know what we could do? We could just literally cover the whole. Like you know, they usually do it in That's strips. Joke, I was just thinking we cover them all. Like we just dip one, them in wax. Yeah, one pull and he's just done. Just one pull. His whole fucking skin will come off like face off. Nick <laughs> <laughs> Cage, I'll take his face. Off. Um, so Sully wants to know our black one coach, what is the soundtrack going to be for the waxing? I know, ex- I know exactly what it is. I think we're alone now by <laughs> Tiffany on repeat <laughs> for six hours. Can oh. I suggest, um, uh, what's new pussycat? No. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. That's, yeah. Oh, it's going to be great. People, we are, we have got to get content around that. Like, so well, yeah. keep your eyes peeled for that fucking content. It's happening. Like uh, this is a once in a lifetime. Could, could we just do your neck too? Like, like get the neck beard in there so we could like just wax your neck like all no. the way up. Like that would be good. Just a neck beard. All right. I want to get, I, there's a lot of fucking good questions today and we're short on time. I got the, one. Okay. Which one are you going to go? Hatfield? Uh, not yet. Say, I okay. want to get this quick, this quick one in first. Uh, where is it? Where well, is it? I, while we're on Wade's army, I got a good, good one. Okay. Go to highlight our boy Keegan down in Australia. So he's got a nutrition question because he is doing a charity paddle board. Let's see, like 60 kilometers, something nuts. So he's got a fueling question because this is going to take either 10 to 18 hours on the water paddle board. 
So he's got a high endurance question. So he's raising money, and all proceeds are going towards Wade's Army or Boy Keegan down in Australia. So fuel the fire in 30 days. I'll stand up paddleboard 65 kilometers on the open ocean fundraising for Wade's Army in Neuroblastome, Australia. How do I fuel 10 to 18 hours on the water? Liquid carbohydrates, 30 to 50 grams per hour in the ballpark, question mark, electrolyte suggestions or recommendations, weather will like to be sunny and 30 degrees Celsius, whatever that means. I think you got like it's going to be individual. Like, well, like what can you take with you on a paddleboard? Right. What do you got like a backpack? One, and don't find out on game day. You have to fit like you have to do a couple test runs here to see how you respond to that that carbohydrate range. And what, like you said, John, what's realistic to pull in? Um, man, I remember uh, Rob Wolf talking about this. This is like warning dated. This is going to be two thousand. Oh yeah, no, everything's changed. Everything's right. Changed. But he talked about like if you want to stay paleo and you want to do this shit like. You, dried fruit is your friend, right? Dried fruit's going to be easy to carry and high in that carbohydrate load. But I think you can, like, if you're not so hell-bent on being paleo and you're, like, really just going to be a performance whore here. Is anybody really paleo anymore? I, I am. Do you not see my loincloth? Oh, well, I just didn't know. <laughs> um, so I don't know. What do, you, what do you got for recommendations, John? I mean, endurance type uh, stuff is not really our thing, but... Uh, you know what? Like, I, I think you could probably... I think about if you're on a paddleboard, like, what could you bring with you that I think is, is able to stay dry that you could consume? And if it did get wet, like, I think, uh, like, you know, beef jerky and dried fruit and all that would be kind of messy if it was, like, salty and got wet or anything. So I'm just thinking, like, what you could consume. And then at the end of the day, like, what, what can you pallet for that amount of time? Right. Dextrose, maldextrin, uh, those are options, but they're just, like, kind of, ugh. Uh, you got yeah. some BCAA options you can mix in there, too, but you're also down in Australia where, like, supplements haven't been invented yet. Or is there good supplement companies in Australia now? Hmm. It's been a while since I've been down there. Sorry, Keegs, we don't have a fucking good answer for you, bud. Yeah, I mean, just... W- yeah. All right. So here's the question I was looking for. T-Con. Oh. Possibly question of the year. As a young boy in Stanford, Connecticut, I w- witnessed macho man Randy Savage checking out of a Costco with only condoms and Gatorades. My mom would not let me meet him. So what's the question? What's the typical <laughs> power athlete trip to Costco look like? So, John, what's your Costco trip? Um, ground buffalo. Uh, organic berries for the kids uh pellegrino water Mm -hmm. um because uh um i stopped drinking uh kombucha so i gave up of like i figured out like i'm like i'm not gonna drink the kombucha anymore and since i'm only really drink alcohol like one day a week i was like i'm just get tired of drinking normal flat water so Mm -hmm. i was like oh let me drink some of this the mineral water i kind of like it so i've been drinking mineral water so i'll go get that i get uh so it'd be ground buffalo Mineral water, organic berries for the kids. I get a bunch of organic broccoliette things, like a big bag of broccoli. And then what else? That's pretty much it. We do. It's all basically meat, man. So we are, we'll do the carne asada there because it's pretty cheap and it's pretty fucking good. Like the pre-seasoned. I like their you carne know what asada. they haven't had in a long time? Um, they haven't had those big pork, like pork ribs. Mm-hmm. They haven't had like. Yep. And that's what I was going to say. We also get pork ribs there. They, they haven't had them in a long time. Mm. 
Yeah. So, uh, but they do sell, but they're like a 10 pound deal. And yeah. I'm like, that's a lot of ribs. It's a lot of ribs. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, we do ground beef. I got to get on Buffalo train and then we used to do chicken, but I'm off chicken. Fuck the chicken. Listen, <sighs> I've been talking about it for years. I'm off of it. It's over. Yeah. It's over. No more chicken. And then obviously ham steaks cause bacon ban is still on. Yeah. I mean, if it finds its way over on my plate, I might have a little nibble here and there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm really mad at the bacon. <laughs> and then McQuilkin, you don't have Costco membership yet. Not yet. That is a sin, my man. You're a Sam's Club guy. I am an HEB guy. Oh, you don't know Costco? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I've been like a Costco member since like 99. I've been going on a long time. I love that place. So here, Tex, will jump on the Hatfield one now. Uh Y'all have done multiple podcast sessions with Dr. Fred Hatfield, a.k.a. Dr. Squat, including going to his seminar with J.O. Howell Strong, which I think is that gym dude, right? Uh, in Houston no, that a few was years the, back. Yeah, that was the dude who uh, Brian... What's Brian? Oh, um... Anyways. Josh Bryant. Yeah, yeah, Josh. Uh, what's the biggest key training takeaway from y'all's time with him? Safety squat bar, obviously. Uh, Off-limits because of reasons oh so he can't so what can we pass on to project strength about hatfield as the biggest key training that we've taken from our discussions with him um i think the one thing which hatfield check mark uh, baby check mark um i think uh um like attention to detail and craft um you know he seemed to just reduce his margin of error and and almost take variables off the table and that was the one thing that was so interesting. It was so uh, systematic and so scientific with how he approached it that, um, you know, there was really nothing was left to chance. He knew exactly what he could do. There was, uh, he wasn't really uh, doing anything outside, the, uh, outside of the, his wheelhouse, and he knew what his wheelhouse was. And the guy was just systematic and um, was able to, you know, set a goal, figure out what it took to get to the goal, and then crush it. So I think just attention to detail and reducing margin of error. So he was a doctor of philosophy. Mm-hmm. That's what, isn't that what PhD means? Well, it means doctor, but not a lot of people know that it was philosophy instead of, uh, you know, kinesiology or something related to exercise. But uh, from his book, Power, this was a big takeaway, uh, constraining factors. So he had an article on constraining factors, and I took away the mental portion of it and broke this off into a few articles we got online. But in working with athletes, we talk about limiting factors a lot of power athlete, the mental side of the things, break it into self-esteem, concentration, and fear. So dive into those, and it's one of the things I communicate with coaches working with athletes. You get at these spreadsheets and all these different programs and application, but you have to remember that these are people, these are athletes. And so those are three of the limiting factors that I, I took away from Hatfield to apply to coaches to then apply to their athletes. Um, I just enjoyed the way he broke down his check mark, right? It's, which it comes down to velocity-based training. It comes down to compensatory acceleration, the amortization phase. And, you know, I can't remember the line I have it written down, but something about uh, a Hall of Famer or a housewife, right? You should be chasing your the check mark. I, like he had an ism there, right? And it just comes down to a lot of our method. Like we, we talk about athleticism, movement being the paradigm that you should be chasing and then all these other training things that these disciplines all put on a, a pedestal like those are kind of in the background that we should all be chasing but it's about movement and regardless of your hall of famer or housewife like you should be training to be more athletic given all the traits required to become more athletic everything else is just going to 
it's going to fix itself if you change the focus of the training, right? Versus I want to tone or, you know, I want to get a big bench press or, you know, like whatever those standard gen pop carrots that folks chase, like if they just work on being more athletic, all that shit will just fall in place. Yeah. Right. No. And, and, um, you know, what's, what was cool is we had a couple opportunities to sit and really have some really long, long form chat with him. And I really, you know, those were impactful and hearing his, you know, his passion speech still, you know, resonates and, you know, yeah, I love it. I got it on my wall in my bedroom. Well, that, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I always liked the one where he was uh, talking about, well, what did he, he squatted, what, like 1,500 pounds on the safety squat bar on with, with the half field squats? Something crazy. Yeah, and yeah, some, some crazy. And I was like, wow. And then he goes, for five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that, yeah. so if you haven't, go to search On the Long Road with Fred Hatfield and a YouTube video will come up. Just piece it together. Listen to it in the background, whatever. It's fucking awesome, an awesome time. Like, just fantastic experience you know we we missed uh getting a chance to do it with zangus and um i would really like to try to do something with uh with louis simmons it'd be great if we could go do louis and uh you know maybe reach out and go see dave tate again so on a lighter note here uh our boy here was watching terminator 2 the other day and was wondering what our opinion was who has a better Sprint mechanics, the T-1000 or Tom Cruise? And I got to just go ahead and narrow the scope. Tom Cruise in uh, Fallout, Mission Impossible Fallout. Aren't they the same? They both oh, run the same. That's funny. So you're, whoa, are you combining movie universes here? Are you here? saying that Tom Cruise is? No, 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 no. The, the T-1000 is fucking Ethan uh, Hawke. Well, right? I was going to say no, Tom, Tom, Ethan Hunt. Tom Cruise is the T-1000 because he's like six years old and still looks pretty good. So the T-1000 is a shapeshifter. He's older than the, the dude was in Cocoon when he made Cocoon. Yeah. Wolf and Brimley. Just an absolutely great Ethan Hunt. I mean, I love those fucking movies, man. Yeah. So if you had to pick one, I'm going to say I'm going to say T-1000, though. Uh, I'm going to go with Tom Cruise. Okay. Move. Agree to disagree. laterally. Agree to disagree. T-1000's got one, yeah, he has no one lateral movement. Yeah, yeah. What? He's a crossfitter. He opened those elevator doors laterally. Uh, yeah, I rest my case. No, but on he can't <laughs> change direction or jump. You can't jump like Tom Cruise can jump a building. All right, our boy Varela. Uh, in my experience, clients coming in with zero training under their belt have a harder time with power cleans from the ground as opposed to the hang position. Should I consider starting such clients from the hang and progressing them to the ground at a later date, depending on the client's progression? Or keep trucking from the ground. Well, I think people tend to get an amnesia and their brain seems to turn off the minute they go past the knees on any type of movement. So I think it's very easy to teach the movements from the hang. And I think once you teach the, you know, the pull, the second pull and getting underneath the bar, I think you can progress people down uh, to the ground. So I have no problem with people starting from a hang if that it allows them to, you know, vertical jump, shrug and catch in a good athletic position. Yeah, big fan of the way that we approach the power clean from the old CrossFit football seminar days. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know it, why? Because I used to teach it from the top down. Uh-huh. And big fan of that. And then applying that to a bunch of high school wieners for years. It was <laughs> and female athletes. It was amazing. It was perfect. Unquestioned. And I was I'm a terrible Olympic lifter personally, but when it comes to teaching the movement, extremely confident in that approach to where, yeah, you start from the top down and and testing for CSCCA certification, you got to teach the power clean. So stand in front of some master coaches 
and they have a suggested way from the floor yeah, up. No, they're fucked. But in that, I just went in taking the test. I just did the top down and walked through our cross football approach and all check marks off on the test. But mm-hmm. in application, 100% from the top down. Well, where that came from was, uh, you know, trying to go in and teach the power cleans to 50 people we didn't know. Um, by far the most difficult part of the power clean was teaching people to catch. And so what I figured is if I, if we started at the waist and we worked on actually that pulling of the catch uh, and working on the catch from those poles and we, you know, kind of go up and down and do like a double learning, it was easier to, you know, start from that position do all arms and then go down and start using it. So it just became a much faster way to teach it because the first couple uh, we taught from the floor and it was a clusterfuck of humanity. It was awful. And I remember thinking, like, we have to change something. We can't teach this. We have to do it in reverse. Let's do the opposite of whatever that is, which is from the top down and see if that works, because it was so fucking bad. Mm-hmm. And you got to <clears throat> just might take fucking time. And odds are that load is going to dictate that breaking point in form. So I would say anytime power cleans come up or you're using a bar progression as a warm up, which that's legal if you want to continue to get those reps to train that movement pattern and load starts to dictate that poor range of motion then adjust to the hang, mm-hmm. right? But always, it's, you should be diligently progressing past that need to maintain that line of action. It just takes fucking time. And one thing I did with the high school freshmen was only teach the muscle clean. Mm-hmm. And then we start our Fridays on bedrock, and every week we're adding the 2.5 pounds to the side, and eventually that muscle clean turns naturally into turns clean. into the power clean yeah. because they just instinctively get under it. So shifting gears, John, Jeff G is asking, what type of program is special guest John Wellborn currently following? Field strong question mark? No, we're doing uh, the Ezekiel program. So we've been doing Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel 24, 16, 25, 25, 17, 25, 17. I knew I was just off. So we designed a, a program that we'll be putting out into some format, whether it be ebook mm-hmm. or uh, you know, on train heroic or something, but, um, we, uh, started, it started with some research that I was reading about linear progressing volume as a way to continue to drive adaptation and muscle. And I thought it was a really interesting position to take. So what we did is we started and did a little introductory phase and then progressed into this program where we've been slowly adding some reps, some sets, and I've been doing a slow linear progression of volume to see how the effects are going. Now, unfortunately, it has not been a perfect linear progression because we've had to d- take some deloads. We've had to ramp some stuff back. Uh, I pulled some my ha- hamstring. Amylase issues, uh, viri, yeah. fifth virus. Well, yeah, no, I, I got smacked with, uh, with some kid sickness. But I think for the month, and, and these guys have yeah. dished out, it hasn't been easy. Today was, uh, today was a motherfucker. Um, I'm mm-hmm. going to have to break tomorrow, or the, the rest of the workout in this afternoon. But uh, it just was really being able to progress the volume. Um, and the way that we progressed, it was in warm-up sets. So we've been doing a little triplet, couplet, quad dealio in the, in the, in the beginning, trying to hit some stuff. And uh, it just, for about 16 weeks, it was really on the grind. So I had mm-hmm. to ratchet it back, and now we're kind of progressing for the last four or five weeks. But some preliminary testing with our block one group, people's dead, like their deadlift squats, jumps, everything's up. Yeah, bo- body composition, body, body composition is going the right way. And the folks who, shocker, 
are not having as good of results are the ones that just can't adhere, whether it's life or travel, you know, dude, it just happens. Right. So yeah. that's the thing about having this kind of controlled fixed length test test run with these guys. Yeah. I think, um, you know, for us, I mean, geez, I got smacked with that kid virus, dude. And that thing took me out for about four weeks, which kind of screwed me a little bit. But, um, you know, now that I've been kind of back on the program, feeling better, uh, all of a sudden everything kind of shot up and all my gains started kind of coming back. So I'm hoping I can close it out here for uh, our money shame food uh Just hang it out, man texas already quit pfc's already quit <sighs> dude man, you fucking quit dude sounds like it. all of you you know me dude i'll somehow find a way we'll to see. eke this thing out we'll see <laughs> <laughs> and there's also money food and shame on the line for yeah so so um i've always come to the conclusion that there's three motivating factors for myself and just everybody i know one of them is money so if there's money on the line i want to i want to compete if there's some form of shame involved and uh, don't want to lose. Yeah, right? you don't want to lose. And then the other one is if there's some food involved. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I dub the uh, the little bet called money, food, shame, and we'll see how it goes. Unfortunately, our you know one of our members already just threw in the fucking towel. Yeah, McQuilkin. Uh, spin <laughs> just fucking threw in the towel. Yes, Oh, Das Clinic coming in. So Ooh, we, we had a little a little group chat with a box rock. Is it called Box Life? Box Rocks article? Who fucking knows? Today, he's asking, um, why would Greg Glassman, founder of CrossFit, be apologizing for teaching the kipping pull-ups before his clients... He did not apologize. ...or those under his influence had mastered the strict uh, strict pull-ups? Ah, dude. Has anyone actually seen Greg Glassman coach a movement or just talk about them and then steal my beer? (laughs) He did steal (laughs) Nate's beer. It was great. Nate was hiding beers and Greg fucking (laughs) ferreted it out like a... Like a fucking bloodhound looking for course lights. No, you know what? He came out recently and said that uh, if he could go back in time, he would prioritize. He wouldn't put the emphasis as much on the kipping pull up, which is hysterical because uh, there were wars fought. People's fucking careers and jobs were lost and uh, people were burned at the stake for saying that they should be able to have X amount of strict pull-ups before doing the kipping mm-hmm. pull-up. I mean, direct quote I heard from, from Greg was that the kipping pull-up is the, uh, what was it? The, the beautiful artistry of symphony of locomotion that allows CrossFit to, you know, open its flower to impregnate fitness or some bullshit, <laughs> you know, some Glassmanian fucking nonsense. Um, and so t- for him to come back and say this is, um, you know, I mean, historical revisionist, which we've always known him to be. And, um, you know, anybody that's ever seen Animal Farm actually knows the pigs, how they would go and change the board. So they're historical revisionists. What's more interesting is he didn't apologize. He should have said, and I'm really sorry for fucking burning people in effigy for saying this exact thing. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, dude, we said it for years. Uh, I don't like to see people kip until they have X amount of strict pull-ups. Why? Mm-hmm. Because they don't have the musculature, the stability, and the strength to protect themselves. Raphael said the exact same thing. And fucking Castro and the fucking and, and the uh, the Golden Girls fucking spun into a, a, a spiral and uh, Rafa yeah, ended burned up everyone not, down. Yeah, yeah, burned it all down, and we weren't and Rafa wasn't allowed to work with us anymore for that very reason. And then years later, when Rafa showed up to one of my seminars, I got a bunch of fucking hate mail from those fucking douchebags over this very over thing. the kipping pull up. Over the kipping pull up, and then mm-hmm. to have Greg fucking come out and revert, and then the best part is all these people are like, "Oh, it's not Greg's fault. No, it is his fucking fault." Well, here's what I've like. I was, and again, like for listeners who've heard me talk fitness, like I was mystified in the origin, right? And a lot of the shit, just as you go through, and like if you were to take the methodology course and you're one of those Kool Aid drinkers, it demystifies this shit and you understand it's just stress, load, volume, intensity, right? There's nothing fucking magical about a kipping pull up, but early in the day, 
it, it was. It was, the, it was the number one way to progress your strict pull-ups was to kip. It was the number one way to be elite and fitness was to kip. If you couldn't kip, you couldn't eventually get a bar muscle up. You couldn't eventually get toes to bar. Or ring muscle ups. And all of these magical fucking uh, like leveled up experience points so that your fitness is more elite. But it's just fucking exercise. Like, dude, that's what's even like the fact that this becomes in uh, like a, a just such a pivotal time is like the kip. Well, I dun, think it's just what's, what's think baffling. What no, I think what they're doing is either once again, they're trying to go back and rewrite the history to try to take some edge off and to create some bridges and to uh, not be as prickly. So by going back, I mean, you know what? I mean, they've, uh, you know, the amount of slap tears and injuries and all the bullshit that we've seen from people learning to kip before they were strong enough to do a strict is, I mean, that's un, uh, you can't argue with that. So them going back in time and then saying this, I mean, instead of being like, oh, if I could go back in time, I would, you know, uh, prioritize the strict pull up. How about saying, you know what? I was wrong. We put too much emphasis on the strict pull up or on the, the kipping pull up. We needed to make sure people were able to do strict. So, you know what? Going forward today, we're going to fix it. We're going to move ahead. And I'm sorry for being uh, a fucking prickly fucking asshole <laughs> for the last, I don't know, decade or so. And, and plus to all these people. And I really apologize for all the people that I fucking burned at the stake over this bullshit. And even more so sent my minions to do it. Mm-hmm. The tip um, of the spear. Yeah, I mean, fuck, dude. You know, I mean, you know, you fucking wake everybody up and get the golden girls out there to go out and fight all your wars, dude. I mean, fucking apologize for it. And you know what? Here's the problem. Uh, you know, Greg will never admit that he's wrong on anything because, um, you know, in his mind, he's, you know, smarter than everybody and is, you know, so far advanced in this. But um, or, you know, maybe sobered up and, you know, is having some fucking you know, like, you know, some uh, second thoughts. But it's just do do more strict, like, how can you argue with strict pull-ups? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and you know what? Like, if you do strict pull-ups and you do them fast, doing a little bit of, like, kick on the bottom and giving a little yeah. bit of hip action, it just Remember naturally Fireman happens. Dave? Remember Fireman Dave yeah. had, like, a trillion fucking strict pull-ups? And he, like, he could do cat pull-ups? And then he's like, oh, I don't really kit. Like, that was just his thing. He's like, I just do everything strict. And he was a fucking savage on yeah. a pull-up bar. Yeah. Right? And even, like, go to YouTube and look up, uh, what are those dudes called that do, like, all the bar, crazy fucking pull-up bar shit? Like, you know, you've had to see this yeah, shit. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about. Those guys aren't fucking kipping. No, Those guys are uh, savages. Uh, the, we, we did a pretty extensive Bartenders. Uh, deal Bartenders. At, uh, at Balboa where, you know, we used, uh, you know, uh, isometric holds at the top with accentuated negatives as a way to get right. people strict pull-ups. And then we also had other people where we gave them the bands and we let them do kipping pull-ups. Mm -hmm. And the people that actually did the isometric holds with the accentuated negatives got strict pull-ups faster. Yeah which resulted in them being able to kip quicker than the people that were using bands kipping pull-up. And the people that got kips and that could kip eventually could never learn to do strict pull-ups. So it just seems like uh, I've met a lot, you know, everybody that can do strict pull-ups can kip. Not everybody that can kip can do strict pull-ups. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's like... That. That to me is like the no brainer. Yeah, but, but I mean, th this is part, I'm telling you, man, this is part of the historical revision, man, like to go back and try to, you know, rewrite it. But unfortunately, a lot of us were there and a lot of us had to fucking deal with the fallout of people being like, ah, I just don't like the kipping pull up. What? That is a <laughs> fundamental movement towards CrossFit. So therefore, if you don't like the kipping pull-up, you hate CrossFit. But that was me. And you hate Greg Glassman. Yeah. And you hate Dave Castro. And you hate all these fucking All people, the heroes. All the heroes. You know, you've insulted Greg Amundsen's honor because you don't like the kipping pull-up. I mean, that's, that's how they took it. That's how they fucking made it. And it's mm -hmm. fucking nonsense. Yeah.
It just reminds <laughs> me of an old Zoolander quote. Who cares? It's only fashion. Right? Yeah. Just fucking be cool, bitch. All right, Tex, I'm going to read this one off. I'm curious on everyone's opinion, especially John's, regarding the situation at Maryland. I've heard him speak numerous times on how hard Cable pushed the O-line during his time at Cal, and he's uh, and since he's dealt with that amount of pressure and push, when is it too much, and how can you recognize the limits of the conditioning of any I'm, given player? I'm not sure what's same. What, so text what happened same. in Maryland. So I highly recommend if you... Go read. The Washington Post put an article about the investigation. The investigation is like 150 pages long. It's, it's obscene. But what happened this summer during offseason training, a player, a 19-year-old offensive lineman, died. So it, on paper, was not a challenging workout. We don't know what he was doing around it. But the, he displayed signs of heat stroke, but then they just left him off to the side and didn't treat him throughout the remainder of the session. So it didn't. Uh, trainers didn't apply any assistant to him. They left him out, and he ended up dying of heat stroke. And the independent investigation started to dive into the football culture that Maryland had. And it's pretty appalling. Again, I'll, refer- I'll push you towards the full Washington Post story. What's appalling? During lunch, during lunch hours, they would show videos of, like, human torture so like drills going through eyeballs and just like gore and shit to just try to create this uh tough culture so it was the coaches around not necessarily the strength coaches but it was the the sport coaches that were trying to build this mentally tough by showing them by showing them like mutilation of human beings to make them mentally tough so in this, and in yeah, all, that's not going to end well. That's going to well, end in a bad lawsuit. Of, well, through that, the only person that was fired was the strength coach. So the school president and ah, head football coach, name. head football coach, kept their jobs and their positions. So he's the second highest paid employee by the state, two point five million a year. The Maryland football coach, not found, I guess, at fault, kept his job, but. I don't know. He just the the culture that they were trying to drive was just mental. It was sickness. It was not genuine. I don't know. He yeah, was not trying like, to develop that's these young weird. men. No, I mean, um, here's the deal, man. Like, uh, and I think people forget this. Um, this stuff's supposed to be hard. It's not supposed to be easy. Uh, it's you know. And I remember telling my mom once, I'm like, this stuff's really hard. And you know what she told me? Well. It's hard and not everybody gets to do it. You know, if, if everybody got to do it, then it wouldn't be hard. So, you know, like you got to expect it to be hard. It's got to be physical. It's got to be tough. Um, I think uh, the problem that they run into is in certain programs with certain athletes, uh, certain guys are not what you call like inherent tough guys. So like, let's say they, you know, they get injured or they get hurt and they get kind of attached with that stigma of being a malinger, which is, you know, a, a common phrase for a guy who fakes injuries and really isn't in there. And then once he gets that label on him, they do a, you know, the head trainer and people be like, oh, what's up with that guy? He's always in here pretending to be hurt. And they, and they fucking erode people. And so then I think what happens is uh, if the guy really does get hurt, 
people kind of ignore him because he's cried wolf too many times, which might have happened. You know, 19-year-old kid, he's pretty young. They're probably still trying to figure him out. He might have had some injuries ahead of time, or maybe he just wasn't viewed as a tough guy. And uh, when he did get hurt, they just kind of ignored him because they figured, ah, you know, he's cried wolf too many times. So, I I mean, I saw that happen. I remember when I hurt my shoulder in college, um, you know, I went in and I I told the doctor and she's like, well, you know, I can't find anything wrong. And I was like, well, I'm fucking telling you it's fucked up. And uh, she's like, well, maybe you just need to be tougher. That's what she told me. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I went and uh, she was worthless. Um, She was a uh, she had done a she had done like a small fellowship in orthopedics, but she was a GP. So I went and I found the ortho and I was like and he looked at my shoulder. He's like, no, your shoulder's fucked up. She was so mad at me. She's like, I can't believe, you know, that you did that. And I was like, well, you're fucking incompetent. And they ended up doing shoulder surgery, fixed my shoulder and I was fine. But like um, she had no fucking business being a team doctor. And I said to the Cal team, I'm not going to donate a single dollar until she's no longer associated with them because I think she fucking hurts people by you having her there. Um, I just think, uh, you know, that type of stuff. Like what was the team? Was it at Wisconsin or Nebraska? Or what was the team where uh, they were doing a little bit of like it was like sled pushes and heavy squats and all those guys got rhabdo and got messed up at Iowa? And people were like losing their minds on that. And I remember looking at the workout and being like, ah, that wasn't a very tough workout. But unfortunately, you're, you know, winter conditioning, the kids probably weren't, you know, didn't train in the off season. And so, you know, everybody lost their minds. And it's like, dude, at the end of the day, the coach hands the player, this is your off season workout. You need to show up in shape to train the first day. If you don't, it's not going to be good for you. Back then, so I mean, this is 20 years ago, I feel fucking old saying it, but 20 years ago, like when I went out to college in 94, uh, 95, 96, I mean, dude, uh, when we came back from winter, from winter break and we showed up for that first day of winter conditioning, um, if we had not been conditioning and we were out of shape, we were fucked. They were going to literally burn us down, burn us to the ground. They told us, dude, don't show up here out of shape. And I knew. And like, that was why we, you know, I ran in, uh, you know, went home during the winter, we ran, we lifted weights, I trained my ass off so I could survive that first day. And I wouldn't, because if you were a dude that didn't show up in shape, they were going to like mark you, you know, the mark for death. Once they put like the scarlet letter on you, you were fucked because they were going to get you the whole off season. So, um, I don't know without reading it, I'm kind of blind, but, uh, he's a young kid, 19 years old. So he's in his second year, maybe in his first year. And maybe this was his first off season and maybe they had, uh, you know, attached some stigma to him that he wasn't a tough guy. So he gets heat stroke, something happens and they kind of just push him off to the side and didn't do what they were supposed to do. But it's unfortunate. Anything else on that text? Yeah, man, culture. Like we, I guess, reference culture a lot and talk about the positivity, how to build it every day, every reps, an opportunity to build it. And I guess this is a model of of that, but in the negative sense, right? So someone misses and I guess pulling up quotes, just coaches calling them, wastes the life, sending them to the pit. Like those are opportunities, but man, that, negative spin on it really sends these kids Mm -hmm. into uh, just dark places instead of looking at it as an opportunity for teaching moments. Like everyone should fail. It is fucking hard, but Mm -hmm. how do we then teach direct and look at that as an opportunity versus just fucking sending them deeper down into this hole? Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. I kind of like this one. Uh, I'm going to be traveling for about a year and I won't have access to a gym regularly. If you only had enough space in the trunk of an SUV for equipment, what would you put in it? What the fuck is this guy doing? 
Don't ask questions. Dude, seriously. Is like, what the fuck? Like, so you don't, you won't have access to a gym for a year, but you'll have access to the trunk of an SUV. So what are you doing? You're just like hoboing it around America? You sound a little bit jealous. Uh, seriously, I'm fucking pissed. <laughs> I'm fucking jealous. Who the fuck gets to just fucking, oh, I'm not going to have a gym, bro. Rudy Reyes. Rudy Reyes. I'm stupid. Who ran around with a red, white, and blue center mass bell from Sorenex and like a bag of weird straps. He looks great. And looks like a fucking god. Yeah. yeah I mean. So there's your answer. No, I'm Oh, my mic's out. Um, let's say you had just SUV trunk and you're rolling around just kicking a can across America. Uh, well born. Um, I would want a uh, red, white, and blue center mass ball, some straps, and Rudy Reyes. Just to, to motivate you? No, <laughs> Rudy Reyes I, in your trunk? Yes, I would put Rudy <laughs> Reyes in the trunk and I'd just be like, pop him out and be like, okay, Rudy. He'd be like, hi, Rudy. No, I, yeah, I would just bring a center mass bell, some straps, and Rudy Reyes. Mm-hmm. What else do you need? McQuilkin? Sandbag? I'd say sandbag, like adjustable sandbag. And then something like either rings or something to get some vertical pulling in that you can hang around something, right? And then what else? You need space to run, so running shoes. Yeah, I guess find some stadium stairs, mm-hmm. some high school, middle school. Yeah, you could do a lot with just a little, right? Mm-hmm. Swim. Uh-huh. Go swim. That's a fucking uh, workout. Or would you text? Whoa. Wouldn't you text? Well, they're you? swimming and they're sinking. Yeah, drown, not drown, not well, drowning. I, I heard that you sink pretty well. Yeah, because I'm you know, bone density and text. Didn't you do want to get like Michael Hearn's frog for your trunk or something like that? What's it called? Michael uh, Hearn. That's he's not the frog. There's no, next he, no. he's frog. got a frog. I thought Michael Hearn was big on the frog. We got to well, get him. How, on well, the, how much, well, we, how much did frog pay him? To we got to get Michael Hearn on the podcast. If anybody knows Michael Hearn, like, like we tried to get uh, Dave or uh, Chris Bell to hook us up with him. Uh-huh. We got to get that dude on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I follow him on Instagram. I don't follow him too close. Like, I know he's got those he's, dogs well, and like, yeah, just looks like a superhero. Well, but he's like, all I, I think he's in his like late forties and the dude has been shredded for like 40 years. Yeah. Like he, since he, like he posted pictures where he's like, looks better at 48 or 50 than he did at like 17. The um, dude's been American gladiator. Oh, uh, dude's a stud. I mean, and then the, the problem is, is like, there's this whole internet thing where they're like accusing him of taking drugs. I'm like, maybe the dude doesn't, he's been jacked for like three decades. Like that. He's never had a bad day. He's got a great hairline. He's got a good, good, good jaw. I mean, uh, I'm kind of jealous. I knew it. I knew you were a Michael Hearn fanboy. Oh, I dude, I I like I'm just I'm just amazed at the condition he's been able to I mean and the dude trains at like three three o'clock in the morning. He's like it's crazy. All right, guys. So hang on. What's up? You are do you guys watch Western movies? Yeah. So we got a question on top three most enjoyable Western movies. And for uh M. Fratis writer. Oh, there's our boy. I think he's an Aussie boy, isn't he? He he came at us real hard one night. I think he was like Popping back some whiskey and then decided to get surly with us. Where was like this at? Ages ago. No, this is on the internet. Oh. Ages ago. And he's like, sorry, I was drinking last night. I really don't feel that way. <laughs> or this could be another guy. Anywho. Uh, so he says Silverado, Quigley Down Under, and the Cowboys are his top three. Mm. Is he talking about John Wayne, the Cowboys? Uh, I don't Probably. Yeah, the original one. It's a good movie. Um, Tombstone, Kurt Russell. What are you going with? Me? Man, I just never... I watched those movies as a real, real young kid, but I don't remember any of them. So, like, I'm going to list, like, probably, like, for any true Western fan, like, True Grit, that's a Western. The dude's fucking badass in that movie. But that's... I don't know if that's, like, a legitimate Western. Hostiles is sweet, but I don't know if that's an actual Western. 
But those are like modern day versions well, of Back Western. to the Future Three. You know what? Probably the <laughs> and then uh, that Seth MacFarlane one where it's a Western. Oh yeah, uh, a million ways to die in the West. I love that one. He's like, he's like, see those guys over there, the coal miners. They literally die of their own farts. Um, <laughs> that movie is is underrated. Oh, uh, probably the greatest Western uh, that I've and I've seen them all. Like I was like huge fan of spaghetti westerns. Um, you know, uh, Hang 'em High, you know, the, the Quick and the Dead. I mean, all those movies, anything, uh, you know, all the John Wayne stuff from like the Cowboys, um, you know, was it uh, Three Mules for Sister Sarah, uh, you know, but hands down, my favorite uh, Western is The Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Ooh, nice. Um, yeah, I do remember um, seeing uh, that too. Dude, when he comes in with the shotgun, and he looks at him and he like, who, who's established with this? And he shoots the dude, the barkeep, and he's like, you're a cowardly son of a bitch. He's like, well, he should arm himself if he's going to decorate his saloon with my, with my friend. And then when he shoots him and he's like, you know, uh, Wild Bill or uh, Little Bill, I'm, you know, I've killed women and children and killed lots of people, but I'm here to kill you. Probably one of the best lines of any movie, but man, the Unforgiven uh, for me. Dude, 310 to Yuma? Like, I'm all, yeah, that's, that's a great fucking, that's that is a great movie. Three, I just rewatched that. Uh, the Magnificent Seven, the one with Yul Brenner, the original one, mm-hmm. fucking great. I haven't seen the original. I'm going Lonesome Dove, so technically oh, not a movie. miniseries. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I watched that v- just a few years ago. Well, yeah, we had the VHSs growing up, so I've oh. seen it. That is a great, times. like, yeah. that movie yeah, no. held... That, or, I, I read the book. It, it It's held, held up. Yeah. Like, it, I watched oh, it maybe three or four years that. ago, and it was still really, yeah. really enjoyable. Yeah, the book, I remember, uh, I got the book on a trip... Um, and it was like, it was 750 pages and I was pretty young. I read it, but, uh, I mean, Unforgiven for me is, um, hands down one of the best. Yeah. Tombstone is pretty good. Ah, Tim, Tombstone's great. Val Kilmer's fucking awesome. The best. Okay. So I'm curious where this one's going to go. <laughs> John, what's the most important advice you would give to someone in a relationship? Part one. <sighs> Most important piece of advice for somebody in a relationship. Wow. While you spin your wheels, I'll go ahead and give mine since I've had time to kind of think about it. Okay. Uh, I'm a fan of full disclosure, no boundaries out of the gate and like true, like honesty and breaking down barriers. So if there's something festering between one person or the other, that confrontation is like celebrated, right? Case in point, like let's just say you something like, uh, I was supposed to unload the dishwasher or something rather than Packy, let that boil over six months later and say, well, that's where you're supposed to fucking unload that dishwasher. I'm like, you got to fucking come at me hard, soft, however you want, but just right away. Don't let it boil over. Mm, so yeah. that's been like, I agree with you. On Cause that. we had one boil over moment early in our, our repertoire. And I'm like, I do not like this shit. And you're bringing up shit from like, I do not remember. And you guys can attest like, yeah. I can't, I can't defend myself against that shit. Well, so. <laughs> the one thing that, uh, that you, I, like, I admire that you guys did, uh, which, um, I have, I completely disagree <laughs> in my own personal life <laughs> is, uh, I like to believe, um, I don't think like whatever's in the past stays in the past. Like mm-hmm. I never asked my wife anything. Like I've never asked her about who she's dated. I've mm-hmm. never asked her any, anything about her history, which like pre John, you know, like PJ, like whatever you did. And uh, she's never asked me a single thing about anybody I've dated, anything in my history. Uh, I think the worst thing that you can do for a relationship is one, um, 
dig into that stuff and get too involved in it. People like want to know like how many people you slept with and this, and they want to know all this shit. And all it does is, is, is torture people. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, Toby Gonzalez made a good point to me once. She said, you know, like once you get married and you find the person, it's kind of like irrelevant. Yeah. It's all irrelevant. Like, what does it matter? You're going on, you're starting this new life. And so I was like, so any regrets? She's like, no, I should have done way more shit. Mm -hmm. I should have been like way sluttier and done all these things, but I wasn't because I, I somehow thought that it mattered. But at the end of the day, like, like who you were in the past isn't who you are. So I think sometimes people judge you or hold you to a, uh, to their standard before they met you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it's best just to like, just be happy with the person and not really ask too many questions and just, you know, go on and try to pretend. And then the other piece of advice, uh, that I think is, is really valuable that I'll probably give you guys is, uh, I look at relationships and especially marriage, like a very fragile plate like a nice piece of China. So don't do anything to either chip it or smash the plate. Like I was, uh, I was out one time with, uh, with some people and, uh, this guy, uh, got into an argument with his girlfriend and, uh, he literally started screaming at his girl, uh, fuck you, you fucking cunt. And like the things mm -hmm. that came out of his mouth towards her and the way they were acting towards each other. Um, I couldn't come back from Chipping the, the China. No, I mean, he, yeah. sh he shattered the plate. Yeah. Like he shattered the innocence. Like, I don't know how you come back or like the next day you're like, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Like the shit he said. Mm -hmm. And so I told my wife pretty early on, like be very like cognizant of like what you say, choose your words carefully. Mm -hmm. Um, don't ever say anything because unfortunately, uh, I have a really long memory and I have a tough time coming back from fucked yeah. up things. So if you say something fucked up and, and just know this, I'll always treat you with respect. I'll never say anything to be disrespectful uh, to you. So like I expect the same. So like I think mutual respect is important. Oh yeah. yeah. Just don't ever say anything where like you say it and you shatter the plate. You should probably just go home, pack your shit and leave and never see them. Like, like mm -hmm. once it's fucking over and once you've done that, uh, there, there's really no coming back. Yeah. And on the disclosure side of my side came from, any previous person I was with, like my old man just said, never burn any bridges. Like never, you never know. Right. So any ex that Ashley met early on, were like, Oh, Luke's great guy. You know what I mean? I still maintained like a, a platonic relationship with them. So I, I knew they were in my corner. Tex, what do you got? I had another question. Oh, nope. There's part two. Oh, can we get an update on Texas dating life? Oh, hmm. no. uh, you know, I don't, I mean, Tex, I've known you a number of years and I don't really, I, I only have really one experience uh, with, you know, with you and your uh, personal life. And I think that we'll end the show on that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Ing, 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 live Ing, from Ing. drip. Ing, 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 Ing Springs and Mazama coffee. Thanks to the folks at Mazama. Uh, it's a pretty cool hit place here. Um, the, the Dude, crew the, chicks the that run this place are, are and the coffee on. Is, is is unreal, man. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, a fan. I, I came in the other day and brought Cashy in, and uh, he got a milk and I got a americano, and we hung out. And the coffee's great. I get you know bags of beans and we stop in here, so yeah. it's a great local spot. And Mercer for Street's just cool. I like this little area. So, all right, later, people. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Tex wanted me to be sure and thank Mazama Coffee, his favorite spot to sit and write performance prose. So if you're in the Dripping Springs area, check them out and order whatever the fuck you want. That includes you, Spanton. Whatever chai, oatmeal drink you want. 
A very special thank you to everyone who donated, participated, spread the word, and joined the fight. Wade's Army is a crew like no other. It's a family united by strength, both in mindset and performance. When called upon to rally and bring awareness to pediatric cancers like neuroblastoma, you guys answered the call with sweat and 200K worth of research and treatment funds. You are our crew. Thank you very much. And until next time, bye!